Welcome to the latest episode of El Paso Talks, where the voices of El Paso are heard. Now let's welcome today's host. Good Sun City Day, El Pasoans, and welcome to this episode of the DMV Podcast. I am your host, Delirious Montañez Berrios, commonly known as DMV with a B, like Bravo. And in today's episode, we will be discussing a few topics. My ultimate goal on every single episode is to be authentic, transparent, honest, and real by expressing my own views and opinions, nobody else's but my own. So let's get started today. First of all, I wanted to remind everybody that the uh, runoff for the special elections is going to be June the 10th for the independent school district. So make sure that uh, you keep an eye on your area that you live in El Paso and go to the county website to make sure where the voting centers are going to be and what are the hours. But the day for the elections is going to be June the 10th. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Title 42. So as we saw, Title 42 ended and we had a lot of illegal immigrants that crossed the border and they were welcoming to the United States because now you cannot send them back to Mexico or you cannot send them back to their country of origin. Now, the non-governmental organizations are actually using a lot of the funds that were granted to them to take care of, i.e. veterans and homeless individuals on the streets, citizens of the United States to use the money for the migrants. Isn't that crazy enough? You know, there was something that Secretary of Homeland Security uh, Mayorkas stated that it kind of like hit a nerve, right? He stated, we screen and vet the individuals in our custody. Let me tell you something. I worked for Border Patrol for 21 years, and the amount of time that it takes for those checks to come back on every single individual that you actually take the fingerprints on is ridiculous, okay? The agency is low in manpower, the agency is low in uh, the necessary resources, But the problem is that whenever they get the money, they don't use the money for what the money was intended for. You know, Um, I remember before I retired, I actually uh, reported waste, fraud and abuse against the agency. You know, I opened this door one time and the amount of computers and chairs and office equipment that was there that was not even needed It was like bizarre, okay? So again, the fact that we screen and vet individuals in our custody, that is a total lie. I am sorry, but that is a total lie. It takes a long time for those checks to come in. And by the way, the most that the agency can keep somebody in custody before they go to see a magistrate is 72 hours. And any law enforcement officer knows that. Okay, and it's no different for Customs and Border Protection. 
You know, the ACLU stated that um, uh, that there's great danger uh, and it violates it violates the U.S. United States asylum laws. You know. Uh, in the way that they're processing these migrants. And I can tell you, instead of troops being sent to the border, in my opinion, what they need to send is immigration judges so they can actually process the cases faster instead of people having to wait eight or 10 years, okay? Um, you know, the time that it takes to process somebody it's ridiculous. And it violates their civil rights. It violates, you know, it, it violates the law. You know, the secretary also stated, um, he said, our responsibility attaches once they are in our custody. And they are absolutely right. They are responsible for every single migrant meaning being taken care of, their health, their medical appointments, if somebody died in their custody. You know, I just found out the other day there was another child that passed in a detention center in Florida. You know, it's like, I, I don't understand when is the agency going to learn that their responsibility falls on them. You know, changing the subject, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about our veterans, and specifically those ones that deal with post-traumatic stress because of a traumatic event that they experience or maybe uh, a complex trauma, which is a combination of two or more uh, traumatic events throughout their lives. And and the reason because I wanted to talk about this is because I was talking with a friend of mine the other day and she couldn't understand why her significant other was acting the way they were acting up. And, you know, one of the things that happen with individuals that have, you know, PTSD is social isolation. And that's a battle that they deal with internally every single day. You know, I always tell people, just treat everybody like you want to be treated and try to put yourself on those individuals' shoes because that is the only way that you're going to understand what our veterans, and not just our veterans, you know, um, our children and our law enforcement officers are dealing with. You know, sometimes we just want to be left alone, okay? Sometimes we do not want to listen to anybody. We just want to listen to the leaves moving with the wind, if you know what I mean. Um, another subject that I wanted to talk about was the child gender modification. You know, like I have always stated, I am a conservative. I am not all the way on the left and I am not all the way on the right. But I tell you, in the United States, we have two ages in where we say that a minor is an adult, right? 
So some things are actually 18 years of age and some things are 21 years of age, right? Which doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand what we don't, you know, change the laws to make an adult either 18 or either 21. Because somebody can drive a vehicle whenever they're 16 years old, right? But they cannot drink until they're 21 or they cannot buy cigarettes. That's bizarre. Now, the same thing that goes with child gender modification. I have no problem with adults that wants to change their sex whatsoever. But somebody that is a minor, you know, I do have a problem with. And I am glad that the Texas legislation is actually working, you know, uh, in blocking that, uh, that matter because it's just crazy. You know, I wanted to talk about <laughs> former council city member, city council member, Peter Swartzbein. Hey, I say his last name this time. You know, uh, before he actually uh, left office, he took a trip to Tel Aviv for five days. You know, that was the last month that he was in office. And he went to speak on a panel at the Muni World Expo for seven minutes and 34 seconds. I have no idea why did he have to make that trip all the way to Tel Aviv whenever he was not going to be the city council member any longer. You know, in my opinion, he should also be out of it and he should pay that money back to the taxpayers. That's just my opinion. Uh, going back to the gas cards, you know, let me look at this article here because, you know, it's just bizarre how the city do things around here. You know, um, you know, I agree with Major Leeser, you know, in getting an outside investigator to investigate you know, the misconduct from Miss uh, Cassandra Hernandez and former representative Claudia Rodriguez, okay? The fact of the matter is that that is a law enforcement um, duty. And the, the problem that I have is that if the police department is not going to be investigating things that's supposed to be under the jurisdiction just because it might be perceived as conflicts of interest, then... What do we need a police department for? You know, the fact that the city didn't have a policy, right? And then the fact that the city council members uh, didn't have any clear direction on the use of the cards, right? Is what led the police to close the investigation, you know, without any criminal charges. But, you know, like I said it before, it, you know, these individuals have government vehicles. I don't understand the reason why they needed to spend, you know, gas on their personal vehicles using taxpayers' money. I just totally disagree with that. Let's talk a little bit about uh, House Bill 3115. You know, uh, that bill was actually by uh, House Representative, 
I think his name is Roy. His first name. I can't remember his last name right now. But that bill has to uh, provide that all federal employees in the executive branch of the government are at will employees and for other purposes. You know, I do not agree with a lot of the propositions that are actually in that bill because it will cut the rights that whistleblowers have and the rights that employees have on filing discrimination cases against agencies. You know, we're not in the wild, wild west anymore. You know, we're not living like in slaves' time, okay? I think that our civilization have evolved. So I really, really hope that he modified that bill or he gets other representatives on the Republican Party to actually amend the bill to delete some of the prepositions that are totally out of whack. You know, um, our state senator, uh, Cesar Blanco, you know, he has been doing really good, you know, in the Senate, in the Texas legislation. Uh, but I really, really wish that he spent time on Senate Bill 2253 that has to deal with uh, actions that employees can take against the employer whenever they violate you know, discrimination laws that, by the way, they're very weak in our government, you know. And, you know, May 30 is coming pretty quick. And that is the actually the 31st. is the last day of the Texas legislation. And, you know, the bill has to be heard in the committee and then it has to go for a vote. And then it has to go to uh, to the House, and then it has to go to the Senate, or vice versa. And uh, you know, time is ticking. So I really, really hope that uh, he takes some uh, interest, you know, on that bill that he introduced, and he assists in moving it through the committee. There was something else that I wanted to talk about. Let me get it here real quick. And I, well, there's actually two more things that I want to talk about real quick. So one is um, there is a Texas bill on the Texas legislation, it's House Bill 78, that it has to do with, uh, well, it will allow the El Paso County Commissioner's Court to impose an additional $10 fee on registered vehicles in our county to be used for long-term transportation projects, okay? Now, this bill was offered by uh, Representative Lynn Ortega, Claudia Ordaz, uh, Joe Moody, uh, Mary Gonzalez. You know, more likely if it goes to the Senate, Cesar Blanco is going to approve it. You know, but the question that I have is, you know, didn't, Congresswomen Escobar passed like billions of dollars for the borderline infrastructure. So if they already get billions for the infrastructure, why do taxpayers have to pay 10 extra dollars a year on, you know, registering their vehicle? That just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, maybe somebody can, you know, can light up a light bulb because I just don't see it. You know, um, 
There's actually going to be a, a Texas Latino conservative uh, meeting online with our founder is actually going to I'm, I'm going to post it on my social media uh, so I don't give you the wrong information but it's going to be uh, next week and uh, it's only for an hour but if you are if you have been in the Democratic Party or you are a Republican and you believe that your values are more conservative than the left wing and the right wing, I highly suggest that you attend the meeting so you guys can see a different perspective on what we're trying to do in our El Paso County. Now, um, I am going to take the liberty to, uh, to read this letter from the Republican Party chairwoman uh, Lupe de la O. Lupe de la O used to work for the Department of Homeland Security a long time ago. I know her since like 2000s. And uh, I'm, not, I'm just going to read it verbatim. So there's no questions on what I say. Okay. So here it goes. From the desk of the El Paso, Texas County Republican Party chairman, well, chairwomen. Ladies and gentlemen, precinct chairs and committee members of the El Paso County Republican Party. I want to take a moment to convey some background on the direction I have provided to our party volunteers concerning outreach within our community. This will involve party to person work, party to organizational reach and other areas to include social media and digital communications. Most importantly, to always lead with the following in mind, compassion to all, integrity to and within our party and servitude to our community. My highest priority is to reestablish and promote our conservative values, reach newly found conservative constituents, welcome past party members and receive party line crossovers from the independent and left parties. To achieve this, it is critical to ensure the culture is representative of the party toward the melting pot community we live in and represent today. Therefore, we should strive to provide an inclusive conservative values and at the same time, identifiable to the public relevant to our mission and substantial enriched with our political views. This will inherently assist the local GOP to find, develop, and produce candidates promoting party growth within our community neighborhoods, our city, and our county of El Paso, Texas in the coming years. Surely, this will not happen overnight. It will, if we reflect on the past five years, measurable strides have been made in awareness. However, in order to make additional impactful gains, much work still needs to be done. With patience, kindness, and grit, I am confident we will start seeing even more measurable interest in the party as we move forward. I encourage all members of our party to continue to invite your like-minded friends and neighbors to come visit with us. 
I am also actively communicating with those who are passionate enough to want to run for office and become a political candidate representing our party values in 2024. Sincerely signed, Chairwoman Lupe de la O. Okay? So, with that said, that is the end of my podcast today. I really wanted to touch on those very few items. Um, I just want to say, you know, be careful on the road. Uh, there is a lot of individuals that are driving without driver's license. You know, obviously, you know, Maria lent her vehicle to Pedro and Pedro doesn't have a license and he's a migrant and now you have a, a bigger issue, okay? With that said, you all can follow my DMBFR Facebook group page and Twitter daily as I'm heavily involved with the legislation process, both at the state and federal level. And I frequently share my thoughts and opinions on several specific subjects that affect all of us as a community, including myself. Now, I invite all you listeners to join me on our monthly virtual Java chats in where we can go more in detail and more in depth in our conversations and debates. Our next one is scheduled for Saturday, June the 10th, the day of the election at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. So if you go to uh, DMBFOR Facebook group, you can locate the Zoom link and you can register so you get a reminder. Or you can join us live on June 10 at 7 o'clock on Facebook itself on the day of the event. This is Delirious Montañez Berrios, your host with the DMB podcast. Please like, share on all of your social media outlets and with all of your email contacts, subscribe. And I will see you all next Monday or next week on our next episode. Our next episode, I am going to talk um, a little bit on fentanyl, fentanyl on our borderline community and how it is affecting our teens. Let me know if there's any specific subject you want me to touch on by sending me a message to www.dmb4elpaso.com. Again, you can join our Facebook group and our page at DMBFOR to get the latest updates on what we're working on. So have a great and beautiful Sun City day. Live today like it's your last day. Today is today and tomorrow is not promised. Okay? So DMB signing out for now. This has been the DMB podcast with Delirious Montañez Barrios, your host. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review my podcast. Until next time, be safe and truly enjoy this day as if it was your last. Live life to the fullest without any regrets. Be in control of your life and your destiny, but most importantly, do unto others as you will have them do unto you. This has been El Paso Talks, a podcast about El Paso delivered to you by the voices of your neighbors, your friends, your family, and even yourself. If you haven't already, like, subscribe, and rate our podcast. El Paso Talks is produced by El Paso News. The opinions expressed are those of the individual delivering the episode and may not necessarily represent the views of El Paso News or the other podcasters on El Paso Talks. Find us at elpasonews.org. See you in the next episode.